and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. I'm so excited to share my conversation with Stella. Stella is one of my really great friends and also a fellow podcaster, so it was so awesome to catch up with her and to have a conversation um, that touched on the themes of both of our podcasts and just our intentions for the new year. It's also just so amazing speaking with someone like Stella because she's so wise beyond her years and it really makes me you know, excited about younger generation and all that they're going to bring to like the workforce and just the world and um yeah she's someone I truly looked up look up to and um I think you all will learn a lot from the episode and um hopefully get some good ideas of how to you know structure your own year's intentions uh before I jump into the episode though I wanted to quickly talk about uh Talkspace as they are my one of my incredible partners um Talkspace has been instrumental and just and therapy in itself has been instrumental in helping me just get through so many tough points in my life and I I think I you know touch on that on pretty much every episode and you guys are well aware of that but you know when when I talk about New Year's intentions and New Year's resolutions with Stella um, I think a great one to add if you know you're struggling to think of how to you know work on self-improvement in 2022 or whatnot um, would be to, you know, start therapy. If that's not is something you haven't, you know, dipped your toes into before, like what better way to start than right in the new year? And a really great way to do that is through an app like Talkspace. Um, it's the easiest way to get started with therapy. You literally just download an app and then get a choice of therapists to choose from. And then you can communicate with your therapist at all hours of the day and schedule live sessions with them as well. Um, so, I really encourage everyone to try therapy and Talkspace is a really affordable way to do so. Um, and if you also use my discount code, you get $100 off your first month. So super, super affordable from, you know, someone who's had to pay like 300 bucks for a therapy session. I'm telling you, paying 200 for an unlimited month of therapy is a pretty great deal. Um, so just go to Talkspace.com and enter code ZOE, ZOE at checkout and uh, you'll get $100 off your first month. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for you guys to listen to this episode. Let me know your thoughts and yeah, enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Today I'm so excited to be here with Stella Stephanopoulos who is the host of the podcast everyday endorphins and she's also part of my chosen family to be honest um <laughs> we're basically cousins but you know not technically related but we are <laughs> family by chance and by choice <laughs> exactly so uh stella why don't you tell me but mostly my listeners a little bit more about yourself where are you from where'd you grow up how old are you where'd you go to school what's your story thank you so much zoe i am thrilled to be here and I know it's been a long time coming. I'm so excited that we get to do this interview and I'm so th excited for when I get to have you on my podcast. And to give a little bit of background on who I am, my whole story, I am 22 years old and I'm originally from New York City, currently living at home right now, based in New York, working in consulting. And I graduated from Washington University in St. Louis back in May of 2021, where I studied a combination of philosophy, neuroscience, and psychology, which was my major. It was like an interdisciplinary study, but a mouthful to say. And then I minored in creative writing and organization and strategic management in our business school, which is essentially organizational behavior, like blending in psychology with business principles. So it was kind of like a lot going on in college, but somehow I managed to kind of integrate all my studies into one cohesive narrative of what I was passionate about, what I wanted to do professionally post-grad. And now, as I mentioned, you know, I'm working in business consulting, which is really nothing related to the PNP major that I did. But I do think that a lot of the skills that I developed through that area of study and through my minors 
really translated well into what I'm doing now. And aside from consulting, I also have this podcast called Everyday Endorphins, which is really around redefining what it means to be healthy and happy and taking a more positive spin on mental health, obviously focusing on the importance of mental illness when we speak about mental health, but also keeping in mind that, you know, when we talk about mental health, we really need to focus on things we can do incrementally to just make our brains and our minds healthier and happier, regardless of if you suffer with mental illness, you know, predisposed to it, whatever your experiences may be. And the the podcast started about a, a little over a year ago. It was repurposed from an Instagram account. I originally created my freshman year of high school when I joined a, uh, when I joined a rowing team and the Instagram was meant to be kind of like a personal blog documenting my workouts at the boathouse, foods I was eating, stuff like that. And as I matured throughout high school and then got to college, when I stopped rowing, I felt like the content I was posting was really not authentic or genuine. It was like, who wanted to see another salad or smoothie bowl on their Instagram feed? (laughs) Like that wasn't really indicative of what my definition was of health and happiness uh, throughout college. So I started to cringe at myself and I didn't really post on the Instagram. And then when COVID hit and I was sent home from being abroad and was home for many months, I had this creative idea to start a podcast because I had really found passions in writing and journalism and storytelling and interviewing throughout college. And that's kind of where Everyday Endorphins made a comeback. And now I use the Instagram, you know, it's been active since 2014, but now it's primarily focused on uh, as a platform promoting the episodes and the content that I share on the podcast. That is so awesome. I have so many questions for you. First of all, I had no idea that you studied like basically so many things that are so important to like the mental health community. Like, did you ever want to become a therapist? I had thought about it. I was thinking more of like um, becoming maybe a psychiatrist because I was going to be on the med track like that, the Mm. pre-med track. That's where I was, that's where my mind was going. And I had applied to WashU as a bio major, even though it doesn't really matter what you apply into. Um, But, you know, I went to a very science oriented high school in New York, Bronx High School of Science, specialized in the sciences. And I think it kind of like squeezed the life out of me, to be honest. Like I, it was so test oriented and stressful and competitive that when I got to college, I was like, well, do I really need to do the pre-med track and take all those prerequisites just to go to med school and be a doctor? And I'd always been passionate about medicine and being a physician, but I don't think I wanted it enough to put myself through that. So I never really did it, even though I had the idea in the back of my head, like I'm going to be pre-med and PNP felt like such a happy medium because you're getting that hard science and with neuroscience, but then you also have psychology where you can understand like broader theories around human behavior and development. And then philosophy is like abstracting away from all of that, asking really existential deep questions, which I always kind of gravitated towards growing up. Like I always was a deep thinker in that way. So I felt like I was paying homage to this like pre-med physician side of me without actually ever doing it. And then like the philosophy brought out like more of that deep thinking, artistic, creative side as well. That is such a cool major. Like, yeah, first of all, been like that's definitely the Greek in us being drawn to that, <laughs> like being drawn to philosophy. I remember when I was a freshman in high school and it's scary to say this out loud that I was thinking about what I wanted to major in when I was a freshman in high school. (laughs) Um, But I remember thinking I wanted to major in philosophy and physics because like they're like two sides of the same coin kind of a thing. Like philosophy is the abstract, like looking at big questions and physics is kind of trying to solve those same problems um, or find those, you know, same answers. But that's so cool. And then also I didn't know that you were a rower. Another thing we have in common. Yeah, that was like a huge part of my identity um, in high school, which is so funny because when I came to college, no one knew me as an athlete because I wasn't rowing. And it was so odd because everyone in high school knew me as the girl that was rowing and like would always bolt after school to get straight to practice. I was always running late because it was a, a commute to get there and we got out late and I just rowing was a huge part of my life in high school. I was practicing like 
five, six days of the week. I could never hang out with friends on a Friday afternoon because I had practice. Couldn't go out on a Friday night because I had Saturday morning practice. I think it definitely instilled a lot of discipline in me, but I really loved the sport. And it was kind of a shock that I even started rowing because up until my freshman year of high school, I was never really involved in any athletics. I did not like sports. I hated contact sports to this day. I still don't really follow sports, but, um, rowing I found to be really unique because it's not a contact sport and it is a really beautiful balance of in indiv- like putting in your individual effort, because when you're on like the rowing machine training on the erg, it's just you and the numbers. And so you're constantly like battling getting those numbers down and being faster and stronger. And like, you're racing yourself in a way, but then when you're in a boat and you're on the water, which is training in the fall and the spring, it's incredibly rhythmic and melodic and the boat's not going to move. And it's not going to go far unless everyone's in sync with each other. Otherwise you're going to capsize or you're just going to be slow. So I felt like rowing was a really unique sport and it also kind of complemented my music background. I played violin for 10 years and I also danced ballet before all of this. So I had always had this, you know, drive for music and rhythm and movement. And I think rowing was some sort of like recreation of that. Like have our parents talked about our rowing overlap too? Granted, Eleni and I were coxswains, but yeah. We, yeah. Cause you, you get it. You get it from the coxswain perspective. Also, I didn't know you were a coxswain. Mm-hmm. I knew Eleni was, but I didn't know you were one. Yeah. We were both coxswains at St. Andrews and you're so right. It, I mean, it is exactly as you've described with it being such an individual sport, but also a team effort. And there's like nothing more beautiful than when you hear like one, just like stroke and you, I mean, even in Austin, I'll see uh, rowers go by in the, in like practicing for UT or whatnot. And it just, it's literally so beautiful. And, you know, if one person's off, then they catch a crab and you're screwed. So it's, that's so funny. I did do two Ks though with the team. <laughs> Good. Cause the coxswains and my, and my team like would never row. And I was like, work out. Like we're suffering. Oh my gosh. The two Ks so I'm glad were you did awful, the two Ks. But yeah. I did, I mean, I was like the last one to finish obviously with my little legs but um that's so funny okay well anyways completely spun off topic but I guess to kind of like close out just you know the like themes of your podcast I guess what do you talk about with your guests and like what are some common themes that come up in your episodes Normally I bring guests on that are really in like the health and wellness space in general, but I've been looking to also branch out to just finding really interesting people who have a passion for wellness and health and do different things. Um, because I think there's a lot, you know, I think that health and wellness taps into every single part of our lives. So for example, when I was in Indonesia this summer, I met and befriended this guy who's a well-known architect in Bali and in Indonesia in general. And, you know, he's very mindful about his health and wellness and taking care of himself and spirituality. So his personality, I felt like would be a great fit for the podcast, but his profession is interior design and architecture. And, you know, off the bat, that doesn't seem like it's super related to mental health, but when you think about, you know, how you design a space and what you bring into your space and how you organize and decorate your own home, that can really affect your well-being, like from the colors that you choose to, you know, the invite, like the, this place in which you choose to live, the people you choose to bring into your home, like that all has some sort of effect on your well-being. So I've had episodes with people like him where that, you know, their professions seem to be far removed from health and wellness. And then I've also interviewed registered dietitians on intuitive eating. I've interviewed rowers. That was actually my first interview was with um, my mentor in high school who was, um, you know, training to be on the, uh, on the Olympic rowing team. And we had a lot to talk about with the sport of rowing and discipline. One of my cousins is a Paralympian. She's medaled at two Olympic games, which is incredible. So I've, I've really had like a wide variety of guests and we talk about their stories, their passions for health and wellness, depending on their profession, we get into like practical tips. So for example, with the dietitian, we talked about how you can practice intuitive eating, especially in college, um, you know, talking about diet culture. So it really is a wide variety of conversations that I have, but I always end with asking my guests, what brings them endorphins? What brings them happiness every day? 
because something that I found is the importance of, you know, chasing those endorphins and creating sustainable happiness really is rooted in finding small things that you can do every day for yourself that make you happy and give you that sense of purpose and well-being and celebrating those small wins. So it's really centered around everything endorphin related. And as Elwood says, exercise brings you endorphins and endorphins make you happy. And although I do agree with her, I'm trying to change that narrative around how, you know, so many other things can bring you endorphins and that's health and that's happiness. I love that. It's almost like kind of leaning into the concept. Granted, I, this came to mind because I just finished the new season of Queer Eye, how, you know, each member of the Fab Five, like, enhances the life of the person they're working with, whether it's like Bobby with making a beautiful space or, um, you know, Anthony with making like meals, something to be like to get enjoyment out of and Jonathan with, you know, self-care. So I think it's, you know, the the point about the, the Manny Matt in Indonesia made me think of like how, you know, Bobby does a space and like can really just sees something like a red wall and says, no, like red actually makes you more anxious and it um, is not a good color you want to have on your wall. So things like that. So that's so awesome that you're doing that. And um, everyone should go subscribe and give Sala five stars. Thank you. I mean, that's a really interesting point. I didn't even think about that. And I've been meaning to watch the new Queer Eye season. A fun fact is that Anthony spoke at my college and I won, like, I never win anything ever, but like after the end of his talk, he put, you could like put your name in like a bucket and he pulled out 10 pieces and those people had the chance to like go backstage with him. And I won. And so I got to meet Anthony and we got a chat and we recorded a video, sent it to my dad. It was like, literally I, it was a dream come true. He's so kind. He is exactly the way he is on the show. And if not like better in person, like he's hilarious. He's so kind hearted, charismatic. It was, I was fangirling that entire, entire night. <laughs> yeah. You have to watch the new season cause it's in Austin. Yeah, so, exactly. Like, basically like your hometown now, I guess exactly. <laughs> your, your new place of living. I, whenever I was watching it, I would pause it and be like, Oh my gosh, that's my street. Or like I've been there. So highly recommend. <laughs> um, so one thing I, you know, I wanted to bring you on to talk about um, a subject that I've been meaning to have an episode on. And I think you'd be the person, pers- perfect person to have this conversation with. Um, and it's really around the idea of kind of New Year's resolutions or New Year's intentions, as I prefer to call them. Um, and and just kind of talking about not only what our specific, you know, intentions for 2022 are, but also how we can make them more intentional rather than these like lofty goals of, you know, being like losing weight or like just these generic things that, you know, are so cliche. Um, But before diving into that, I wanted kind of your opinion on something that I've been thinking about recently and it's granted something that I've, I think TikTok is more so ingrained in my mind than I, I would like it to. But with the, this past like New Year's Eve, New Year, Christmas, et cetera, I almost felt like because of the rise of COVID cases due to the Omicron variant, it felt like we ended the year on a somber note. I mean, I personally spent New Year's with my family which was like lovely but at the same time I would have preferred to be in Austin with my friends um you know I, I haven't really left my house because I've been quarantining and so I kind of fell into that mentality of like fuck 2021 like goodbye like that like worst year like second worst year ever blah 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 and then I've been like taking a step back and I'm like okay aside from the second half of December, 2021 was really like one of the best years of my life. Like I moved to Austin. I made so like some of the best friends I've ever had in my 26 years of existence. I went to Greece. I, you know, kept up this podcast. I got a new job. Like there's so much that happened. And I was like, it really just kind of for me was the almost like 
the personification of how we focus on like as many good things despite as how many good things that happen we really focus on the one bad thing like despite all those good months and good weeks that I had in the past year I focus on the two bad weeks that happened and it was just like something that I don't know I'd love your perspective on and then I was hoping we kind of brainstorm ways to not bring that energy into the new year you're spot on around how our minds have this natural inclination to focus on the negative things and greatly allow that to outweigh the positive experiences and in positive psychology that's actually called the negativity bias where our minds like are hardwired to outweigh negative affect and kind of skew that out of order from our positive affect and positive experiences. So it totally makes sense that you felt like, okay, screw 2021 this year. Like, I can't believe this is happening again. It's like, feels like traumatic that we're almost kind of like reliving 2020 with everything being so bad in New York and just COVID rising and generally. And it's like super stressful. I mean, I've been feeling that way too. My new year's, you know, I was at home. Luckily I was able to have some friends over, but it wasn't you know, we weren't going out. We weren't doing much. So these past few weeks have felt really stressful. Plans have been canceled. Plans have been rescheduled. There's like that fear again of going out and doing things. And it hurts even more because we got a taste of like how good it could have been or how good it was trending towards. But I also totally agree with you. Like if you think about the year in its entirety, personally, you know, I accomplished a lot this year. I graduated college in May that was crazy. (laughs) Like I graduated during COVID kind of. And I then left right after my graduation, I flew straight from St. Louis all the way to Indonesia. And I quarantined for six days in Jakarta before I could go to Bali to complete a month long yoga teacher training certification course, which had been a goal of mine for years. Like, I can't believe I ended up doing that at 21 years old. And then I was able to stay and extend my travels in Indonesia and hang out in Changu for another three-ish weeks. And after that, I came home for a week and then I went to Greece for a month and a half with my family. And I took a little spontaneous trip to Paris while I was in Europe with a friend that I met while I was abroad. We were supposed to go to Paris during that semester, but then COVID hit, was sent home. So we got to reschedule it. It was amazing. But you know, I probably went on like 15 different planes this past year in the middle of COVID, which is crazy. And once I came back, I started a job. Like I, I, I got hired. I had my first job ever out of college at an amazing consulting firm. And, you know, I'm fortunate to have a job, especially during the times we're in right now. And, you know, that's another huge milestone. And then taking advantage of working remotely, I was able to go visit high school friends in DC for a weekend, visit college friends in Chicago for a week. And then went to Miami to just work remotely and like have a good time with one of my best friends from college who also works at my company. So it was, you know, and then we got to go to that really fun Greek event in December. Mm -hmm. Like there were so many gems of this entire year that can really get overlooked. So I totally agree with you. Like it's difficult, but it's so important to put that into perspective and recognize that like, well, 2021 was a pretty good year. And I recognize that maybe not everyone had as best of a year as maybe you or I did, like, you know, maybe our circumstances are unique or different or, you know, specific to our lives. But even if you didn't graduate college or get a new job or go to Indonesia, like I'm sure there were amazing things that probably happened in your year that it's easy to kind of let slide under the rug when we're so hyper fixated on the news right now. Mm -hmm. Exactly. No, I think that's, that's so true. And that's definitely something that I want to bring into 2022 is that new attitude of like almost it's almost like the you know the five steps of of grieving where like the last is acceptance I feel like we've been in a global pandemic for going on two years like I need to get out of like the anger phase the depression phase etc and just be at the acceptance phase and say you know what this is life right now. It's not very, you know, it's not what we expected, but how can I make the most of this 
new reality. And I think that's kind of, I guess, my first New Year's intention. And the way I've been actually just like brainstorming while, while we've been talking like how to make that, you know, practical, because I think with New Year's intentions, often we just like throw them out there. But then it's like, okay, so how are you going to actually practice that? Like, I hate to say this, but it's almost like a smart goal as opposed to like, you know, just like, <laughs> like, like a just big goal. And I was thinking about it and my mind always goes back to, um, have you ever seen the journal that's like the five minutes a day journal? I've seen it, but I've never like used it. I don't really know what's on it, but I know, I think its intention is to like be quick and easy and something you can just do every day. Exactly. So I got that, I want to say like 2019 and I appreciated the fact that it was like super quick and easy. Cause like I am a very anxious person. I like to like, you know, get on with my day, but it basically asks, um, it's like a, it's like a gratitude journal, but it, the, it says three, like it starts out with three things that, um, you're grateful for. Then it's like three things that would make your day great. Um, and then like an intention for the day. And then you do that in the morning. And then before you go to bed, you write three good things that happened that day. And like one thing that I'm pretty sure it's like that you would have liked to like do differently or something like that, like phrase in a way of like something you would want, want to improve. And it was like the wildest thing that when I use this journal, which was like pretty much up until COVID, um, the three things that I wrote down that I wanted, like that would make the day great were always the things that I ended up saying were like made the day great. It was like when those things were top of mind, you really, they're, they like stay there and you end up like wanting to do them or get them done because, you know, it, you, you want to be able to write that down in the bottom of your journal that like, yes, I, I don't know, met up with one friend after work or something like that. And so I think kind of having that, whether it's the five minute a day journal or a gratitude journal really would help me at least stick to that goal of of reframing my mentality towards the pandemic and just like the, the reality of the world right now. I should probably look into this five minute a day journal. Cause I think it's something I'd love. I love how the prompts are very structured and it doesn't take that much time out of your day. Something that I've actually been trying to bring back now is this little thing. I my gratitude your, on your, um, Instagram. On what my is story. That? Yeah. yeah. So I did this my junior year of college for a semester, the semester before I went abroad pre-COVID. And um, I committed to just writing down a little thing every day on a piece of paper that made me happy or that I was grateful for, or like a fun event that day. It could be literally anything. And I'm so glad I did it in that particular semester because that was one of the most hectic, stressful semesters, you know, of my college career. I was recruiting for an internship, which was incredibly exhausting. I was on um, executive, you know, positions for my business fraternity, which was also exhausting. I was in hard classes. I was dealing with boy drama. Like there was so much going on. And so amidst all that chaos, I still continue to write down like one thing that day that like made me happy. And when I left, you know, at the end of December of that year, getting ready to go abroad, I was like, not excited to leave. I felt like I had really just had a horrible, like I knew I got a great job, but I was so hung up over like boy problems and just stress and like so much was going on that my perception of that semester was so negative. But then when I opened up this jar and I like read through everything I had written down, I realized that so many great things had happened and we just forget about it because we're not being intentional about putting our energy towards that. So I wanted to bring it back this year because I was like, well, it's 2022. It's like, an, it's a new year. <laughs> I'm not in college anymore. I really like, I really want to start focusing on things that are making me happy again, because I felt like in 2021, I was coming up on like this incredible high. And then it peaked when I was away this summer doing something like really incredible for myself, getting to travel, having all this time off. And then it slowly started to go downhill 
even though I have this great job, like, you know, working from home poses its challenges. It definitely has its benefits, but it poses its challenges. Living at home poses its challenges and also has its benefits, but it's just been a major transitional period. And I think I've found myself these past few months, not feeling very satisfied and feeling like I've been passively moving through my life instead of like playing an active role in it, which has made me very frustrated and unhappy. And so I'm thinking now, like it's a new year and I I don't want to put my mentality towards that. So I wanted to bring back this jar to remind myself of like great things that happen every day, even when you feel like your circumstances aren't the best. So that's something that I'm trying to do kind of to do that cognitive reframing of like turning a shitty situation into something better, essentially. I love that. And for anyone obviously who can't see it, it is a mason jar with little pieces of paper in it. So uh, I love that idea. And it's also just like so aesthetically cute. Um, Thanks. And this today, I'm going to write down this interview. That's going to go in the jar. I'm honored. (laughs) This is a very like a highlight of my day is getting to do this. Yeah, no, that's and I think that it hits a nail on the head on like how to really reframe that mentality that we, you know, we tend to get stuck on and, you know, it's good to know with your psychology background, that that's what the way our brains are wired. And it's not just me being a, you know, negative Nancy. <laughs> wow. I'm really speaking like a six year old woman today. I don't know what is <laughs> my deal. Um, I guess what, so what is another one of your new year's intentions or resolutions, however you like to, you know, call it. Um, and what are some, steps or like ways in which you hope to implement them? That is a really great question. Cause obviously, you know, it's January 4th today. So I've been giving some thought to this. I think probably the biggest one and the one that's like most top of mind right now is like starting to feel more like an adult and, you know, I've been living at home and it's been great to save money. And I, I'm very close with my parents. I'm an only child, but I've kind of hit the point where I'm like, I think it's time to just move out. And, you know, yes, maybe I won't be saving as much, but like in the long run, things work themselves out. And I think right now it's better that I prioritize like my mental health and like having a more lively social life and feeling, you know, tapping back into my independence. Like, I think all of those things are things that I really need. And, uh, I think that will be achieved by like moving out. So a goal of mine for this year, um, is to get settled into my own place, you know, either solo or with a roommate. I don't know what's going to happen, but, um, I do have plans to move out for like a short-term lease. And then hopefully we'll figure things out in the middle of this upcoming year. But, um, you know, that is a big priority of mine. And I think just having a a new space and being with different people and being in like, you know, a different location, I think is going to really help me feel like I'm tapping more, more into my like adulthood and independence. And, you know, it's been so nice. I'm not going to lie having, you know, a stocked kitchen and laundry is done for me most of the time, except my parents are getting tired of that. And so I have to do it now. So it's nice, you know, to have things taken care of for sure. And I'm very fortunate to be in that situation, but I also love doing those things for myself on my own. Like, I think the reason why I loved being away at school and like in my own apartment was that, you know, like I would, I liked doing laundry because I liked getting it done. Like I could check it off my to-do list. And then I felt productive during the day. And I like felt like I was taking care of myself And now I've lost that and it makes me feel so like passively moving through my life. And I, I don't like that feeling. So, you know, a big goal is to feel like I am more of like a put together adult. We'll see what happens. Uh, We'll see how things pan out, but that's kind of like one of the top priorities. And then another one is reevaluating my, um, my physical health. I've dealt with a lot of like hormonal issues since like the end of high school and throughout college and something that I really appreciated about this summer, like beyond just doing the yoga teacher training program was trying forms of Eastern medicine, like going to acupuncture and having like herbal Chinese medicine tea and and stuff like that to help kind of like naturally balance out my hormones. And, uh, I think I was kind of, like I said, I was like thriving this summer, everything was working. And then when you're back in a really hectic stressful environment, 
things start to go out of order and stress really plays a big toll on your, your physiology and, um, your, your fitness level, like everything. So I think, you know, moving into the new year, my goal is to really figure out what foods sit well with my system, figure out, um, you know, the optimal kind of workout routine that feels the best in my body. And I think that honestly means just doing more yoga, um, and going on longer walks, you know, things like that and trying out, you know, some functional medicine, functional medicine practitioners, just trying out different things that I was doing a bit this summer to get my health back on track and like naturally, uh, help out my hormone levels. So that's also another important, um, goal that I have for this year. And then of course there's goals that I have professionally, since I just started working, there's things that I want to achieve at my job and things that I want to achieve with my podcast. But, um, I'm trying to also be kind towards myself, uh, figuring out how to balance my side job or passion project with the podcast with my full-time job. It was much easier in college to do it because school was absolutely a joke (laughs) my last year with COVID. So I could really, you know, dedicate my time to the podcast, whereas now it's a bit more difficult, but I really want to strike a better balance of that moving into this year and figuring out, you know, how to make it sustainable and fun and grow and collaborate with more creators and podcasters and, um, see, you know, how things could take off there. So there's kind of like lots of different areas of my life where I have big goals. And then I will try to like break it down into smaller, more manageable chunks, things that I can kind of track over time. I know you were like, I hate using smart goals, but honestly it was a perfect analogy. Cause that's how you need to like, yeah. think about these things. Otherwise you're never going to get things done. Exactly. And even just like looking at something as, you know, big and like, lofty as you know your goal being like basically to like move into adulthood which is pretty as you know uh, as vague not vague as it gets but you know that's like a big statement but even how you're approaching it I think is such a great way of starting off with a short-term lease and then you know being able to reevaluate okay or like a sublet and then being really able to like a you know, reevaluate, okay, do I even like the neighborhood I'm in? Like, um, do I want more roommates? Do I want to live on my own? And things like that. And I mean, granted, it's a lot easier said than done in New York where, you know, apartments literally like, if you you visit an apartment, you have to like sign the lease that day because it's so hectic. But I think how you're doing it is, is so smart because, you know, when I was, when I moved to New York after graduation, I committed to that like in the April before my July 1st start lease and I ended up being in like an area I hated stuck with a roommate who was horrible to me it was just like a terrible experience and that lease was signed for 12 months so it was like I really felt trapped so I think how you're doing it is so smart and and methodical and it kind of is speaking to like breaking you know such a lofty goal into like smart tangible shorter term like goals that you can reach and then eventually you will be that like full functioning New York City adult that you are like want to be in 2022. Yeah and like I think honestly it's been helpful that I live in like my family's from New York so it's not like uh, a hassle to, to try out different opportunities because it's not like I'm going across the country to move in. Like, it's not like that at all. <laughs> it's nice to just have things to be, be, be much easier here. But I think, you know, to that point also, it's, it's really, I think about me learning how to be more patient <laughs> because I'm such an impatient person and being patient with myself, trying out this lease, seeing how it feels, reevaluating, not having to rush into anything, you know, it's, I've always had trouble recognizing that things take time. I've always been the person to rush into things or to make quick decisions. Uh, even if I think I'm being thoughtful, like I just want to do it like right away, whatever the decision is. And I also have to recognize that like some of the big goals that I have for myself will take time and being patient around Uh, you know, having that understanding that things will naturally work themselves out as they should in the right time. 
and along the right timeline as they should. That's been something that's been very hard for me to like wrap my head around and trust because I I'm, I've always been of the mentality. Well, like if I don't see it, then I can't believe it. Like if it's not happening in this moment, then like, there's no way it's, it's ever going to come to fruition. And you just have to have a little bit of faith and trust that like things naturally work themselves out in, I believe in all aspects of your life. So that's, that's something I also need to work on. And that kind of goes hand in hand with these goals that I have and how I'm trying to break them down because I think patience is required at like every step along the way. Definitely. Especially in an environment where, you know, two years of our life has been almost a blur. Like (laughs) just, it's literally felt like, you know, yeah, like I can't believe that it's been almost two years since I was living in New York and had just heard of like this COVID-19 virus and, you know, being 26 and seeing, you know, friends who have been dating their partners for extended periods of time, get married and engaged definitely can be daunting. Granted, I'm, I'm 26, but you know, thinking, oh, wow, like what if I don't meet my partner until I'm 36 and you know, I'm a woman. So like biologically, that's not so great. So there's like a, definitely a fear there's that fear uh, that I have and I'm sure a lot of other, you know, young women have as well. And I think you're so right of just like leaning into the fact that as cliche as it sounds like the universe will work things out. And just because, as you said, like just because you don't like see it doesn't mean it won't happen. Yeah. And it's, it's so much easier said than done, but I really try to remind myself of that And I'm so lucky to also have really amazing friends that are willing to listen to me when I need to talk about things that are stressing me out. And, you know, I think that's also so important, you know, having a strong support system, having people around you that will like energize you and support you and care about you deeply that like can really make or break anything, I think. So I feel really lucky that I'm also able to like confide in close friends and just, just have a strong support system that I can go to with things and also just have a great time with because, you know, COVID is super isolating and it does feel like we're kind of at back at square one. And I think we have to remind ourselves that it doesn't have to be the way it was before. And like, we can continue to safely see the people we care about. Like there's no need to like self-isolate from that because that's just going to feel even more depressing than it really has to be you know absolutely and I think even I think when those thoughts come up of like you know I feel isolated or I feel lonely or things like that one way to kind of combat those feelings is to say okay well like especially that it is you know only January 4th where barely into the new year like okay what can I do this year to change that like I maybe I'll make it a goal to have a FaceTime call with one friend every single day but make it a different friend each day or you know um have a group zoom every week with my closest friends like things like that and then just like holding yourself accountable whether it's you know making calendar like calendar invites or um having it on your planner I just things like that because I think I mean social support systems are so important and especially at a time when it can feel lonely and isolating and cold and (laughs) if you're in like the northeast or you know somewhere where it's not nice weather um so I think just kind of you know asking those questions back to yourself when you do have those thoughts of like oh shit I'm feeling xyz and it's like okay how can i feel the opposite of that and like that can be your new year's intention i totally agree and out of curiosity were there any like big new year's intentions or goals that you've been thinking about moving into 2022 i have i mean i have like so many little-ish or like big ones and little ones um one little one that like I literally said I think for the past I don't know five years is to do a a dry January and like every year I set this for myself and I never like go through with it um but I think like this year and it's I think just 
I think if I really commit to it just for like a month, um, I will feel good about any other New Year's intentions I set if I can like, quote unquote, succeed with it. Um, so one way I am like holding myself accountable with that is it sounds <laughs> so dumb and I'm not sponsored by this app, but uh, it's called like the Reframe app. I literally saw it on my like Instagram ads and I downloaded it. It's basically like Noom for drinking, which granted, I, I don't really like Noom. I think it perpetuates diet culture, um, but it's pretty much the same thing. It goes into like the psychology um, behind, you know, how alcohol affects us and things like that. And so it's interesting just like learning about, you know, different ways and the the brain, the parts of our brain that alcohol affects um, when like when we drink and like how it makes us, you know, it's, I forget, it's like, <laughs> I did not study neuroscience, but like the um, part of our brains that make us have less um, reservations or like, uh, oh yeah, like the limbic system. So like, um, that's like our amygdala is like emotion. Yeah. Like there's like two so parts that, I think that it affects yeah. and like one is like immediate and one or something, but basically why you're like, okay, whatever, I'll text that guy or like, <laughs> like being like, uh, uh, what's impulsive, exactly. I guess. Yeah. 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 Um, so it's just been interesting to like learn also has like meditation practices in it. Again, I'm not sponsored by the stupid app, but <laughs> I think that's one way I'm holding myself accountable and kind of sticking to that smart goal idea. Um, and then for more, I guess, like abstract goal, um, it would be to be more present. And again, this is something I probably have on every single New Year's resolution list I've ever written, but I, I sometimes get worried that one day I'm just going to wake up and be like 45 and be like, what the hell? Like, where did all the time go? And something I really value are moments when that you can like point back to in your life and be like, wow, that was one of the best moments of my life. And there's very few times where I've remembered kind of being in that moment like, and then like almost having a little outer body experience being like, whoa, this is going to be one of the best. Like I know that I will look back on this moment in my life and remember it forever and I really want to try to have more of those experiences granted I don't know exactly how the one thing that comes to mind is journaling as much as I can and just whenever I have a really good um night or day or weekend or week etc is holding myself accountable to take out my journal and writing it down because that's something I did um the entire time when I was a when I lived in Greece um literally every single day and there's nothing better than reading through that journal and just like reliving those moments and then also just if I am you know having a good time to just like isolate myself for a little bit and say okay like so this is one of those moments and just kind of say it out loud and I think by speaking that into existence it'll keep it in my brain if that makes sense I'm really glad that you mentioned presence because I, that's something I've been thinking a lot about recently because I've also been like way too much on my phone recently to the point where it's gross that I have this habit to like constantly hold it in my hand and like scroll through nothing just for the sake of like wasting time. And I've found that I think I'm now really starting to see the effects of like constantly being on my phone mess with my head and like make me really anxious and on edge. And the one thing I tried to do last night was like put my phone away and pick up my Kindle and like read before going to bed. Mm -hmm. And it really like the quality of sleep I had last night was incredible because I was just not looking at my phone and going through the same motions for literally no reason. And I think, um, you know, in addition, maybe to journaling, I would even suggest like just putting your phone like in a separate room entirely, or like when you go on walks, like don't even take it with you. Like that's something I really need to try to do this year because I've more recently become way too addicted to my phone. And something that I think brought me a lot of happiness this summer when I was away was the fact that 
Bali had a 12 hour time difference from New York. So I was kind of forced to disconnect and like not even talk to anyone. And, you know, we'd wake up and practice yoga and meditation for two hours in the morning. And I would leave my phone in my room. I'd go down to the, the studio and I would just be without my foot. Like I would be present in that moment. And it was amazing. And I think now it's hard because it's like, well, we have jobs and we use our phone to coordinate plans and we're gone Instagram and like we both have our podcast and we're posting on Instagram about it. And so like, we're constantly like attached to it, but I really want to try this year. And, you know, I would also challenge you to do this. Maybe we can hold each other accountable since we both are trying to be more present, like really just stepping away from our phones and, um, not having them around us as much. I mean, even working from home, it's horrible. I'm like supposed to be working. And then I have my phone right next to me and I'm like multitasking. And it's like, why am I literally on my phone? No one's texting me. No one's trying to like send me a message. Like no one's trying to get in contact with me. What am I looking for? It's horrible. Yeah. It's like, unless I'm hiking through the Appalachian trail (laughs) and need to, you know, text my mom that I'm safe every night really no one is like no one cares that much like if I went off the grid for maybe like two weeks someone would probably be a little concerned but uh no I am totally with you on that even just thinking like when I graduated high school I uh did the Camino de Santiago which is like a pilgrimage through um well I did through Portugal and Spain but you can do it from wherever I did not know you did that yeah that's amazing and I would totally do it again and if you want to come we can get together (laughs) and just thinking back to that granted it was 2014 so phones weren't like as big of a thing at least smartphones weren't and like I didn't have a data international data plan or whatever and I was literally just on my own or like with my my boyfriend at the time and um three friends hiking through Portugal and Spain without cell service for 14 days did not touch my phone aside from playing music and just looking back I'm like the fact that granted I feel so grateful to have that experience because I'm sure 18 year olds you know graduating this year would 100% be filming the entire thing and posting it on TikTok and I just feel so grateful that I had the ability just to do that and really experience every second of that pilgrimage and treasure it um but just because phones exist now doesn't mean that I have to rely on them as much as I do exactly and I think you know because they're so present in our lives now and everyone's posting about what they're doing it's so easy to fall into that comparison trap Mm -hmm. like if you don't post about it then you know why aren't you sharing what you did with people yeah, did not happen you know, keep, like yeah ex- exactly and it's it's such a toxic mindset i mean that could even be a conversation for another time cuz we know that like our phones are horrible and they're addicting and social media is super detrimental but it's this weird irony that we live in where we also know that like social media and technology can really unite people like we saw that with the height of the pandemic mm-hmm. so it's still something i think we're figuring out and uh you know especially with not even knowing where the future of like technology is going to take us with the metaverse and NFTs. And there's just so much that's like in development. That is, it like blows my mind every time I try to sit down and think about it because I feel like it's so out of my like consciousness and like understanding at this point. But aside from all of that crazy stuff, I think we can agree that like, you know, limited phone usage is great. Limited social media usage is great. And, um, getting out in nature is so, so important, I think, to help stay present and grounded. A hundred percent. So before I wrap up, I want to ask you my final few questions of the podcast that I ask everyone. And honestly, they're, they're kind of like r- randomly deep, but you can answer them however you want. <laughs> First question is what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? That's such a good question. Oh my God. What am I going to say to this one? Um, okay. I guess I, I guess I have an answer for this one. It's kind of unconventional, but my dad made a movie in 2015, I believe was the year that he, that it was filmed. It was filmed in Greece 
And to this day, I still don't really understand why he chose to do this. I know he's a very creative person and passionate about filmmaking and producing, and he works in the entertainment industry, but he's a lawyer. So it's obviously different than like producing a film, but I think seeing him put in so much effort and intention behind what ended up being this film was, it was like a 10 year in the making thing. Um, you know, he made a lot of sacrifices to do it, which I think I'm still trying to understand, like understand the rationale behind, but, um, I think it's made me stronger in the sense that I really see both my parents as role models, but, um, specifically with that like creative endeavor that my father chose to do, I think it's made me stronger in the sense where I'm like, well, if my dad can do something like so brave and so so courageous like that and put his work out there in the world and sacrifice a lot to do something that's meaningful to him, then I can do it too. And so I should approach all of the things that I'm interested in and my projects and my passions with that same like rigor and, um, and determination and drive. And so I think just having that like role model figure it indirectly has made me stronger. Um, I don't know if that necessarily answers yeah, the question. No, I love that. And shout out George. Just, ugh. I'm pretty sure I went to that premiere of that movie. If it wasn't you, I, I'm, I know Eleni was there. Cause I think that's where I met Eleni for the first time. Like your dad and Eleni yeah. were there and we were both in high school. So it was like, it was like awkward. Cause you know, you want to be friends with someone, but you're, you're not going to just be friends with them. Cause your parents are like, go be friends. <laughs> okay. False alarm, different <laughs> premiere of a different movie that I went to, but you're right. It was a Lenny. I, I was so positive. It was, it was Lenny. And my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, still a movie premiere and um yeah shout out george and dennis their friendship is yeah big shout out do you believe everything happens for a reason yes i do why i think i need to believe that to justify (laughs) the world that we're living in i think i need to believe that i mean it's 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 so hard i mean when you look back on things that happen in your life you can always build a rationale. And I think our brains are always going to like try to seek meaning and like purpose behind things that happen. So it's easy to like get into that cycle and think, oh yeah, that happened for a reason. But as I do look back on my life, I think that people come in and out at the right time, even if you can't see it in that moment. So I do have that belief that everything happens for a reason. And the less you push and like resist, the more things can flow Maybe there's some sort of like scientific explanation behind it that I'd be curious to find out. Have you heard of the butterfly effect? No. What is that? Oh my gosh. Okay. So this is like a perfect example of how I think like psychology slash philosophy and in physics are so interconnected because it's basically the same thing as chaos theory where it's like one event can be traced back to tiny little things that happen it's like so I always think about it of like if I hadn't you know turned left on 14th street and stopped at this one coffee shop I would never have met this person who would have introduced me to this like yeah wait I've totally thought about that before I'm like well if I didn't put on this sweater for example then maybe this interview wasn't going to happen like I've had those thoughts before where you can like pick the most random event and then try to link it to like the present and the future even like the fact, I mean, perfect example is like if my dad hadn't been randomly assigned to the same table as your dad at the Greek gala, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation right now. So thank God George <laughs> and Dennis got randomly assigned. Yeah, Wait, exactly. It's the same. It's the same logic. It's so I that that stuff trips me out, but I love it, too, because I just think it's so interesting. OK, next question. What do you love most about yourself? I think my um, ability to just take things lightly, like never, you know, I've been told that I have a very like lighthearted nature about myself. And for a while, I think it expressed itself in just being super gullible and like people taking advantage of me, which wasn't great. But now I can like look 
at this aspect of my personality and see it kind of as like a superpower, the ability to just kind of brush things off and be super lighthearted in nature about things I think is served me well. And I think I definitely get it from my mom because she's hilarious in her own way. (laughs) So, um, I think that's something that I really like about myself. What are your rising and moon signs? Oh my God. Wait, let me pull it up on my. (laughs) Okay. So I know that I'm a Virgo. You're a Virgo. Yeah. Yeah. Course, but my is that my rising? I no, really didn't ask Okay, you asked for rising and moon, mm-hmm. um, or ascendant and moon. Okay, so Snapchat's about to tell us. I th- we don't even know my birth time, so like, let's hope that this is my okay. My sun is Virgo, mm-hmm. my moon is an Aquarius. That makes sense, the, like the lightheartedness because it's an air sign. Okay, and my rising is in Pisces. Oh, that can I kind of also makes sense like given that you know you come basically your rising is like how you come off so it's like you come off as like dreamy and um and like creative and and then like your son is like like who you like are which so for virgos it's a earth sign we're very like hard on ourselves but like you know intentional and um it makes sense of like why you're such a hard worker and like, but maybe don't come off as like as uptight as Virgos are. <laughs> Interesting. I like this interpretation. I hope I don't come off uptight because no, no, no. You if you knew me in high school, I was like so anal about everything. Oh, I, I still am. Um, <laughs> do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by? This too shall pass. Love that. And again, I, it kind of goes to the qualities that you love most about yourself and kind of what we've been talking about with this pandemic. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. This better fucking pass, but it will, it will. (laughs) Um, I have a bonus question for you, which is, um, how do you find your endorphins? Did I ask you right? That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, what I usually say is what brings you endorphins, but I like this. What, what brings me endorphins? How do I find them? I find them through, um, a variety of things, which is not really answering the question, but right off the bat, like I love having conversations like these, which is why I do the podcast and which is why, you know, I, I I'm loving this right now. I, I am so passionate about health and wellness and mental health and, through the conversations that I have on my own podcast, it's a huge learning opportunity for me. And then I get to share it with people. So it's like, I'm killing two birds with one stone. And so having those conversations, being a part of them, they really make me happy. And, you know, obviously yoga, there's nothing like the feeling of coming out of a class that just really eases yourself and just brings you calm and peace. And, um, my last piece, like my last endorphin related activity is, um, (laughs) I really love the chai. It's like crazy expensive for what it is, but there's a great chai latte from San Ambrose, which is an Italian cafe in New York. And they have multiple locations throughout the city. I discovered like how great their chai was recently. I used to love getting their gelato as a kid, but, um, I've really been on this chai kick in the winter. I'm usually a matcha person, but now I'm like really into chai. And that just really has made me happy. Like looking forward to a hot drink has really gotten me going these days. Good to know. I'll definitely check it out next time I'm in the city. Yeah, um, we'll go together. It's it's good. Amazing. And last question, which is kind of similar, honestly, to your endorphin question, but how do you find solace in the city? That's an awesome question. And obviously so in alignment with your podcast, given that it is solace in the city. So how do I find that? Um, I really like, well, the great thing about New York is that it's so walkable. And Mm -hmm. so whenever I just need a moment to just like disconnect and, and get out of my head, I really love going for long walks. Like, you know, I grew up right near central park. So, um, loved going on walks in central park. Um, just be, I know it's not like you're in the middle of like true nature, but it's the closest you can get in, in New York. So just going, you know, on long walks there. And, um, I also love sitting at a cafe and just reading a book. I know these all sound really cliche, but like when you're kind of like in the groove and you're doing your own thing, 
it's, it's really nice. And I think like the perfect day for me is one where I spend it alone, honestly, where I can like do the things I love and just do them for myself. So it's, you know, whether it's going to a yoga class or doing a walk or like sitting at a cafe and like having a great brunch and like reading or journaling and writing. Like I, I love doing things that I can just sit back and like do self-reflection and write. And so when I have those moments for myself, like that's where I really feel like I'm having that moment of like solace and solitude amidst a crazy chaotic city. I love that. And I agree so much. I would bump every single one of those things um, because they bring me solace. So Stella, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Where can everyone follow you, listen to Everyday Endorphins, plug everything? Thank you so much, Zoe. Um, you all can find me, uh, you know, the show Everyday Endorphins is available to listen on whatever platform you prefer. So the show's on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Google Podcasts. Uh, the Instagram is at everyday underscore endorphins. And my personal Instagram is just at Stella Stephanopoulos. So that's where you can find me. And I hope you also tune into my show and listen to the episode I will be producing with Zoe. Amazing. Well, thank you, Stella. And bye, everyone.